Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion. We're so glad that you could join us today. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we will begin with our morning prayer. This morning I have two excerpts from page 160 of Divinity Course in General Collectania. And Mrs. Eddy says, My beloved student, enter into the closet of divine love and there, in humility, ask this ever-present power to shield and to defend you from the enemies of your souls and bodies, to defend you and guard you and guide you in the paths of righteousness, pleasantness, and truth. Examine your motives. Ask if selfish desire governs them, or if in obedience to the divine command, you are taking up your cross and following him. Self-seeking will never result in, re in soul finding, in finding divine wisdom and love apart from self, and self swallowed up in a victory of soul. There is but one way of salvation from sin, disease, and death, and this way is to take up the cross in order to follow Christ. Then God, who knows your motive, will reward your act according to that motive and not according to your words. Mary Baker Eddy. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. Okay, the watching point. Watching point number 299. Watch that you keep on keeping on or continue in well-doing. If you were given a beautiful country estate and told that you were to have it as a permanent residence, you would not complain if you traveled to reach it, no matter what sort of terrain you had to travel over. If you had to struggle through a swamp, you would say, this is hard going, but what difference does it make? I'll soon be there. If you pass through green pastures and beside stilled waters, you would say, this is very lovely and I'm grateful for all this beauty, but I have no time to linger to enjoy it. I must be on my way. Students who find that they have good days and then relapse into bad ones may wonder why this is. If they search deeply into motive, they may discover that good days are their goal, rather than progress toward their spiritual habitation in soul. When one is seeking the true goal, which includes a daily effort to bless and help others, he does not complain much, nor notice much what kind of days he has. He keeps patiently on, knowing that if he is persistent, he will arrive. There is wealth of wisdom in the old adage, the dog that is idle barks at his fleas, but the dog that is hunting does not feel them. End quote. Thank you. Comments on that? <laughs> what is your goal? 
Yes, Lawrence. No, no. It, I was just saying, you know, what is why am I here? What am I doing? Where? What is my goal? What is my model? Like she says in Science and Health. And if all, my all is to just do for God, then I really don't have time to complain or to uh, the motive is pure. In other words. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Who else was speaking? Well, I was just going to say that that um, since coming here, I I've had um, those good days and bad days. But um, it's I through them I've also learned that I've had, I'm having that's not happening, and um, and I'm realizing like the watch brings out that, and like Florence just said. The goal is not to have a good day. It's to better understanding of God every day and what I'm doing for Him. And as I'm focused more on that, um, uh, this back and forth, good and bad days. There's there's only a good day. I don't have. There can't be a bad day. Only good is going on. And so that's been helping me. Too. Thank you very much. Yeah, I. This watching point, I remember it very plainly because it meant a lot to me because I think I used to do work for good days. And occasionally I'll get calls while I'm having a bad day. Well, it's kind of like, so what? <laughs> Join the crowd. <laughs> no, it's, it isn't our goal. Sometimes it, it's not to lead these perfect lives where we have no problems. It's just the way that we meet the problems. And to keep on keeping on is so important. Yeah, I've, I've learned, at least I'm on the path of learning, the, to see that difference between are you having a bad day because you're you're not listening, you're not following inspiration, or are you having a bad day because resistance is rising up against the good that you're doing. That's so, it. That's right. So. I mean, can you say Mrs. Eddie had perfect days all the time? Good grief. No. Did Christ Jesus? No. Yeah. So that's not your goal. I think um, some in the practice, I have the impression some people think, "Oh, you practitioner, so you don't have any problems." So no, <laughs> it, they come, <laughs> they come, but they're no longer, you know, they don't have the impact that they have. They don't impress as they used to. Um, that's more it, you know, you, the, you, we have the truth now and um, it helps you deal with whatever it is that claims to be disturbing you. Thank you. That's right. I like, I don't know the full story, but Mrs. Eddie asked somebody who from another church how things were going. He's like, oh, wonderful. She said, well, then you're not doing something wrong. Right, right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Everything's going wonderfully. There's something wrong. You're in. You're kind of in la la land. So, um, so yes. And I know you know the few of us left here in Plainville from the early earlier days. I mean, it wasn't that we were any. I was talking to Gary about it just this morning. It wasn't we were anything special except we and we kept going. We didn't leave. That was the only difference. It's not like we were perfect people who had did everything right we we just endured we just kept going and we didn't give up we made our covenant with god and we didn't give up on it 
and and honestly, in looking around, sometimes I'm I realizing what a tremendous quality that is, because I've had people come so excitedly and loving it, and it is here today, gone tomorrow, and it's I mean, it's a puzzlement. So it's the good seed that endures; it keeps on keeping on. Mrs. Eddy makes says something about persistence, doesn't she? Sure. Yeah, it's it's very important, and you will know know what by the fewness and the faithfulness of her followers. So, to keep on keeping on is tremendous, and I I know there are many times it would have been very easy to give up on all kinds of levels giving up on all types of things but if you just have that one step one step enough for me you take that next step and you'll keep receiving more and more light and go back to your books they're your guides they're your, it's your north star go to your books what does mrs eddie say follow her example about what was what um florence read in the prayer Take up the cross. And are you willing to take up the cross? This isn't just about getting your healing and making your life comfortable. Far from that. So. Where it says, this is uh, very lovely and I'm grateful for all this beauty, but I have no time to linger to enjoy it. (laughs) That was what I was trying to do when I had my moment of realizing I, I'm not, I can't, that, it, this big shift in my thinking, I can't stay here. It, it's, to, it's what's it, what's it built on? Um, and I wasn't allowed to, to linger. I must be on my way. I, I didn't know it at the time necessarily, but that, that moment, which changed everything and eventually brought me here and all the moves I made, it had, everything happened so quickly, but God was just telling me, you're, you're not going to be allowed to just linger in all this. There's more, there's bigger things for you to do, and you've got to serve me, so hang on. <laughs> well, and, and Mrs. Eddy has said, mortal mind has not been kind enough to me to make me want to see linger. the linger, linger in it. In it. Mm-hmm. Even, when, even the pleasant side, because the pleasant side it doesn't stay pleasant for very long. It'll not when it's mortal, not when it's mortal. It's a trap. It is a trap. (laughs) And in that story of the psychologist and the magician, when he went through the cave, you know, all the horrible things kept him going. But when he came to the end, when everything was so pleasant and lovely, he kind of settled down in it. So we must always keep on keeping on and know that is not our goal not our goal to get comfortable in matter our goal is the spiritualization of all mankind the bringing in the millennium the reign of christ for a thousand years and that work must be done it's very crucial right now that that it be done that we shorten the days right the bible I love the adage too, the dog that <laughs> his idol barks at his fleece, but the dog that is hunting does not 
That's it. <laughs> There's a lot of people, well, they just don't have time to notice all these little things wrong. They're just too busy working and going. You know, you, you can all just sit around and, as I say, contemplate your belly button. <laughs> That's not a good thing to do. Where you're just thinking about yourself and your own wants and needs. And as I've said, that's my definition of hell. That's why the concept of retirement is uh, so dangerous. Yes, thank you. The dread was there in the Beatitudes. And uh, we kept getting it in our lessons years ago. Uh, <clears throat> you get the pearl of give everything you have for the pearl of great price. And then it goes on to say... In the end, be the perfect even as your father's in heaven. Like, like that's not a momentary thing. It's just an eternal thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So much things that need to be put under dominion and maintained. So yes. it goes on and on. It's not a sleepy thing. Thank you. Yes. And I, it was on the carousel. I love it. The Siren Call of Ease by Peter V. Ross. This idea of retirement. You just want to settle back in and enjoy life. And when you do that, you put yourself in the in the human mind, the mortal mind, and you're subject to all, again, you don't want to loiter in it. You're subject to all the mortal mind shoves down the track. You become, you become, yeah, you, you become part of it. You can't afford it. It's a human mind that wants to retire and settle in and just enjoy your days. And make you useless. And make you useless. I remember my grandfather saying that years ago after he retired. A few years later, he says, I just, I just feel useless now. He says, I should never have retired. <laughs> yes. And we never do here. None of you should ever think of retirement. No, there's too much work to do. Good grief. So much work to do, especially as, as scientists. Well, we don't retire from life. We just change a position, but we still are going on. That, someone told me that once, and I was able to share that with someone who was moving, and they said, you know, we're retiring, but we don't really, we don't really want to. And I said to her, you can't retire from life. So, and, you know, one way, you make your life. And, and we, as Christian scientists, have chosen to make our life in God and work for Him, which is a wonderful thing. It's life with a capital L, which is why we start our mornings with God is life. God is my life. God is the only pure and perfect life. Yes, and it's far different from so-called life, life and matter, yeah, and mortal mind and just wanting to settle in and have a pleasant time. And, and if you're feeling <clears throat> if you're feeling urged on, well, that's what truth does. Truth urges us towards truth. And that's that's the way love works. It will urge us towards what is true. It will urge urge us to get out of the mortal dream. And if we heed the urging, we're safe. If we ignore the urging, well, we're not safe. No, we're not safe. We're just in the in the human sense of things. All right. I just wanted to take a moment. I want to give you the Bible study dates for the fall. Um, it's coming up. We're already in the middle of August. Tom Thomas from New York will be conducting all of them. 
And the first one is September 11th. The second is October 9th. The, the third is November 6th. And the, la the last for 2021 will be December 11th. So mark those down. Of course, they will be announced and everything. And it, it's just once a month this time. And we hope that you do devote a lot of time in your prayer and study of it. And also, as some of you have said, there's great benefit in going back and listening to past Bible studies. You can, if you miss them on Saturday mornings, you can certainly do that. So, all right. Well, we have a beautiful topic subject today on soul. And, um, Lil, you can read the golden text for us. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Thank you. And I felt this lesson is very much, you know, from sense to soul. From sense to soul, that beautiful hymn, from sense to soul, my pathway lies before me. And... Um, <clears throat> I wanted to mention again a couple of things before I get into the into the soul lesson. Um, Carrie this week had sent me several things on various topics, but one um, was for the liberator about only only good being contagious, and this was written from a 1905 Sentinel. It said, "Jesus' kingdom is to come as an inner process." It is a leaven, a germ, a feeling, a thought, hid deep in the individual soul. There is no outward formula for tracing the fruition of this germ. It lies there, hid in the lump of things, until it, its day comes. Its increase is unmarked of men. It spreads like a contagion. It is a spark which ignites from mind to mind and spirit to spirit. Its power is an inherent enthusiasm. Its dynamic is love. Now, I thought this was really powerful because it's turning the tables on this thing of germs and contagion to what it really is. The germ of truth within each of us coming forth. And sometimes that requires a lot of stirring and shaking and waking up. And I thought, again, it goes so well with that, what Melinda put on the forum a year or so ago that I've quoted many times. But she writes, in the blue book, Martha Wilcox is quoting, quoted saying that one of the first lessons she learned in Mrs. Eddy's house was that the objects of sense, when correctly understood, are really ideas of soul. There are not two groups of creation, but just one. So in reality, there is no material world apart from the spiritual. Wherever, whenever we go out, we can declare that we only need spirit today. Whatever and whoever we come across, whatever we touch, whatever we hear, whatever we see, whatever we receive is spirit good is already approved and a bless and blessed by God and can only bless us. Be prepared. I just love that. That is such a good truth for now. And it goes along with this other. That is what we need to see 
translating things of sense into the ideas of soul. This is our. This is the ninety-first psalm. This is our safety. And as all this stuff keeps militating and taking various forms, and I'm talking about the pandemic, we keep ourselves in that secret place of the Most High and do the world work and be an example the best we can. Let that light shine. So, all right. So. Back to soul, and last week I had said how much I love the um, cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. <clears throat> for in thee do I trust, cause me to know the way that wherein I should walk, for I lift up my soul unto thee. And that word cause, to bring into existence. Uh, it's just such a beautiful prayer, and that importance of doing it first thing in the morning when your thought is so fresh. I mean, every day we can pray this whole prayer from Psalms 143. So beautiful. Asking for God's power and presence to be with us. And the, and the reason why it works is because God is the only cause. He, said, he says all cause and effect belong to God. So when we look to God for cause, we find it. If we look anywhere else for cause, we're going to be tricked into something that's not going to work. At least not work to our benefit. So this is a, this is the, there's a scientific principle that supports all of this. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's the laws of God that we we are under when we are obeying Him. And I th I thought it was interesting because in the healing in Matthew twelve, <coughs> then and one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, "Is not is not this the son of David?" Now, in that beautiful pamphlet that I've been talking about, True Vision, on page nine, John Morgan says, and I didn't, I didn't know this. I thought it was so interesting. In the Gospels, every case of healing of the blind is accompanied by a reference to thou son of David. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> and it said that David typified the wedding of manhood and womanhood, the outward seeing and the in inner conception. It is this spiritual activity of wedding, the human and the divine, which is the key of David and opens our vision. And then, in truth, I am son or derived. And I looked up that word derived to draw from as in a regular course or channel to receive to obtain to obtain something from a specific source so we know we're derived of god don't we yeah. that's the specific source we come from and then no mortal inheritance ever gave um excuse me therefore it is my heritage to enjoy God's vision 
no mortal inheritance ever gave it to me or could deprive me of it. This is a very mm -hmm. important thing to understand. You are derived of God. This cancels out all any other types of inheritances. If you're suffering from a belief that you've inherited something from an ancestor, this obliterates it. You are derived from God, and that includes definitely your vision. No mortal inheritance gave it to you or could deprive you of it. Because that's a belief. Well, you're born and you know your eyes are good or bad or whatever. No, <laughs> they're, they're perfect in, in mind. I know in maternity cases with Mrs. Evans, that was one thing we had to always know that, that all everything, perfect, perfect eyesight, perfect, all of that, you claim that for the unfolding of the child. And that it didn't come from any human source, derived from God. It's, it's a deep spiritual truth to think about and to express. And as we've talked about, vision is such an important part of our, our life. It has to do with everything. And so I will read some more on, on notes of true vision and what he says about soul. Um, through the penetration of soul, I see through sin's disguise to the sinless man within. I do not use appearance with reality. I can see beyond the symbols to the actuality of ideas. As, as my vision rises, the symbols are transformed. And then soul see, supersedes sense. Therefore, I do not look on anyone sensually nor do I mistake the outer form for the true identity. The veils of sense and self do not impair my vision in soul, but I perceive definitely what I have not seen. In soul, my vision is never related to the self-centered me, but looks out selflessly as the sun shines. Through the vision of spiritual understanding, I am always translating objects of sense into ideas of soul, which is how we started. I can see with exactitude and instant focus what I need to see because I am identified with perfect vision. My sight is untouched by anxiety or stress, but dwells on God. It's beautiful thoughts to embrace and and think about it. And in the in the lesson from sense to soul, you know it it handles this belief of sensuality, which would mar your vision. It would mar your expression as the image and likeness of God. In an article that Carrie sent, another article that Carrie sent about the centurion. It was quite a beautiful article on, on being that reflection of God, being the reflection of God. Um, Florence gave a beautiful testimony on Wednesday about being the image and likeness of God. 
And sometimes you can take that lightly, right? We talk about it all the time. And the importance to realize what that is. Well, in the lesson, or in that article that Carrie sent, it was called The Spirit of Obedience. And it brings out in this healing of the centurion's servant, the centurion was so obedient, right? He said, I'm a man under authority. Well, we as children of God are children under authority, the authority of God. And this article brings out how... And we, we, talk, we talk about this a lot, too, but this is said in maybe a different way, a, a fresh way. That a lake, you know, when the reflection of a lake is perfect and pure, how is the lake? The perfect re- reflection of... It's calm. Right. Yeah, calm. It's, it's calm and still. It has no ripples in it. So the point of this article says that... Um, the arrows of self-will, self-love, self-justification, lust, dishonesty, dishonesty, fear, ingratitude, and all selfishness are disobedient thoughts, totally unlike the divine mind. And they act as mental ripples and waves and sometimes tempests and cyclones to obscure the clear image of our heavenly father-mother love reflected in man and the universe. On the other hand, unselfishness, peace, gratitude, humility, honesty, purity, joy, self-control, patience, forgiveness, and brotherly love are obedient thoughts in that they express divine mind. And through such divinely reflected thoughts, the law of God operates in a full measure to save. So you see... What thoughts are you entertaining? And when you're entertaining those carnal thoughts, those ripples keep your image and likeness from being a clear reflection, right? Right. <laughs> Florence. Is- <laughs> Thank you, Florence. <laughs> yes. Well, on the other hand, if you are that other the state of the divine mind out of the carnal mind you become that clear reflection so it, i mean it's it's a major point it's a simple point but it's one to really think about and appreciate and remember we are under the authority of god we need to obey what he tells us to do obey the 10 commandments I love that because that counters the new age piece that they're always trying to get the calm. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. That does. The peace, the hum, the zen. (laughs) (laughs) He says in this article, and let's see who it's, oh, it's by Elizabeth Earl Jones, who is a good old time worker. God's law can do everything for us, but we must steadfastly entertain thoughts through which his law operates, thoughts that reflect him. Divine law cannot operate through erroneous or sinful thinking, 
but it can and does operate through a sincere desire to overcome evil and to obey life, truth, and love, our Father, Mother, God. One's understanding at first may be so small that right desire is about as far as one can honestly go, and we must be honest with ourselves. And then she tells of this healing, and <clears throat> she says, During World War, the World War, a wounded sailor was suffering from an injury caused by the carelessness of another sailor. The invalid was filled with hatred for the one who had hurt him unintentionally. The hospital visitor, who was a Christian scientist, explained to the invalid that his continued suffering was due not to the accident, as he supposed, but what was it due to? The hatred. Yes, the thoughts of hate and unforgiveness. They worked together to overcome the wrong thinking until the invalid could say in all sincerity, I love him. Then the wound was completely healed. This illustrates the way God's law operates in human affairs. It can move mountains. So I thought that was very beautiful and a beautiful new look at the story of the centurion. <laughs> and his steadfast obedience. And because he was so obedient, he became that clear reflection, that image and likeness, and his servant was healed. So you can ask yourselves, you know, what thoughts are you entertaining that are rippling or even causing slight cyclones? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that your image and likeness you're, you're not you're not that reflection. Florence, do you want to say any more? Because that was such a beautiful testimony you gave. No, I think it's it's one we overlook. You know, we say it, but it's become, because it's said so often, I guess every service, <clears throat> the end of it, it's, it's become like the, the Lord's Prayer, which also has is such a wonderful, includes all our needs. And yeah. uh, I think uh, we ought to get, take time to to see what we are. I mean, that's our one plus one is two forever. And when we know that, then we're able to see the counterfeit that's coming. Um, that's Thanks. the way I see it. I, see, I think it's just something given us that is so, we should be so mightily grateful for and happy about. And yeah. Thank you. It's so true. These simple truths, they're very simple and basic. Go back to your basic truths. This, I call it again, your North, your North Star. Go back to your books. They guide you. They lead you. They tell you. And over and over, we're told we're, it's in Genesis 1. We are the image and likeness of God. Just to dwell on that. It's tremendous healing power in that one statement. Mm -hmm. but, but in doing that... Um, you know, what struck me in the lesson was this idea of unwinding your snarls. It's in this week's lesson. It's similar to the interlaced ambiguities that we talked about a few weeks ago. Um, the divine method of paying sin's wages involves unwinding one's snarls and learning from experience how to divide between sense and soul. So, again, Carrie, I... Carrie sent me all these articles about unwinding your snarls, and there were many thoughts in it. But the idea 
we, we all come. I remember, I, and this is why I like that statement. I had so many snarls. I was so confused um, about what's what and who's who. And we all, we all do. We get told this, that, and the next thing. And yet, in, in the Bible and in science and health, it all clarifies itself with the laws. The laws of the Ten Commandments. They need to be obeyed, folks. In case you think you can not obey them, hello. And the amount needs to be obeyed. If you think you can skirt around it, no, you cannot. Be familiar with them. And this is what helps unwind your snarls. But it's coming having the humility to say, well, I do have snarls to unwind, and maybe I'm not so perfect, and I need help with unwinding them. And then asking God for that help in humility, and he will help you. And one of the, a couple of the articles was about begin anew, beginning anew. Every day we have a new, a new chance. New, I, was, since I shouldn't say chance, a new opportunity to start out with the truth so you don't start out hating your neighbor or all these past things that you were doing. And it becomes a lot easier to unwind your snarls and to keep them unwound. And, and another was about retracing your, your steps, because if you don't, and it brought out all those things that you did in disobedience to the laws of God, they seem to have results, don't they? Effects. You've got to retrace your steps. Go back. Correct. Correct it. Just like you would a snarl. Unwind it. Take it apart. Realize what you did. Correct it. And, le and learn from it. And I mean, and, yeah. Because if you have pride, you're going to try to hide your mistakes, aren't you? You don't want to admit you made a mistake. You don't want to admit. But that's pride. That's why pride is your worst enemy. And, and I think the perpetual guilt, you know, always, you kind of want to own being guilty. Yes. As forgiving you, what, the, what are you doing, you know, being feeling guilty it says it says clearly that we cannot see god when we have that sense of guilt with us the whole time no you cannot and you see this is the importance of doing this having this process it's in pond and purpose repenting of the things you've done wrong and then yes go and sin no more changing your ways then if it, you've made your peace with god and man then if the guilt keeps coming back, well, that's error, and that must be cast out. Because error would love to torment you day and night, you know. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is get in tune with it. It'll be very happy to say, oh, you did this, and yo, you'll never be right, and that's just the mess. Keep coming back. Mm -hmm. Coming back, and that's why, that's why what Florence said about knowing who you are, so you can cast it off. That's a tormentor. But it but it will come back deservedly if you haven't changed your ways. And that will be the unavailing tear we read about in fidelity. 
but again, this is these are the lessons from sense to soul. And in one of these articles called Unwinding One Snarls, it says, It is frequently the little resentments, unkindnesses, criticisms, and so forth, which we allow to become snarled in our thinking, unrebuked and uncorrected, and which may accumulate till perhaps they are manifested as some physical disorder seemingly difficult to be rid of. Or it may be that there are certain beliefs which we have been so accustomed to accepting that we do not recognize them as snarls, which need undoing. Such beliefs might be classified as superstition, fears, fears concerning time, climate, weather, food, and so forth. I mean, think about it. Many good Christian scientists have all kinds of fears, fears about what they eat. They fall into all these laws of Materia Medica, unchallenged. Superstitious fears, that if they, yeah, they don't read their lesson every day, something awful will happen. I mean, I don't know, go on and on. You can think of them yourselves. So, says, in teaching us to understand and follow the divine method of paying sin's wages, Christian science bids us dissect our thoughts to see whether they are of God or of the carnal mind. And it further shows us how to replace wrong thoughts with true, pure, loving, kind, and gentle ones. It enables us to prove that we are benefited in proportion as we do this faithfully. Hold thought steadfastly to the enduring, the good, and the true. And you will bring these into your experience proportionably to the occupancy of your thought. So it doesn't matter what your past was or how snarl things seem to be. You have a fresh new morning to start out with. But you have to be consistent and do it. And that was a simple lesson Mrs. Evans gave us to ask yourself, is this a thought from a God who loves me? And if it isn't, you cast it out. So... Unwinding your snarls, very important. And as I've said, I feel that, um, well, it's the key to many people that have come to our church and just found our website. They start reading these articles. Oh, my gosh, I was thinking this instead of that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's how I felt when I started reading it. Oh, now I get it. Now I see. My snarls began to unwind. And again, in another article by... Ella Hogue, while separations of one's mental mistakes from his right thinking may not seem so simple as it is the unstarling of a string, nevertheless, the process certainly needs similar mental qualities, for in both instances, patience and obedience are needed to bring about satisfactory results. So, and how important we don't let our thoughts, she goes on to say, don't let your thoughts go run riot every which way. And then you have to go back and retrace your steps again, right? <laughs> so. You know what I like? The Lord's Prayer. Every Sunday we have to say, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So it kind of has forced me to think back, who am I blaming and what am I doing? Yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. All of these things we do, all of this is purification. 
purification of sense to soul. And, I, and I've, I've said that um, Dixon letter says only the pure in heart will survive the latter days. So this is a well worth process, okay? You can't carry your baggage up the hill. Purify yourself every day from sense to soul. So Linda, what did you write about on the forum? Coveting. And this was such a beautiful lesson on soul. The soul has infinite resources which have blessed mankind. And man is the expression of soul. An expression means like it, likeness, copy, image of. And so it just made me really think about this competition and that there's just how bad it is. Because then you're just totally denying everything that you're learning. And I thought of Hagar because she was grown out last week. And she could have not found that water if she continued to think about resentments, I would guess. Because how could she have seen the, the water that was there that God had for her? And it was all competition that made her end up where she was. And, uh, but she had good there provided for her. She just had to open her eyes. And I just, uh, having struggled with this on and off in different ways, I, it's like you get to the point where enough, just sick of it. Again, this is a this is a commandment. Thou shalt covet. And what was that thought you were expressing about that commandment that we oh, yeah. read somewhere? Um, yeah, somebody was t talking about the commandments and made made the point that that the commandment "Thou shalt not covet" is the only commandment that addresses thought exclusively, and and made the point that it it's probably you know among the most important commandments, because if you obey that commandment, you will naturally obey all the others. In other words, you won't do anything that is in violation of any of the other commandments. But if you don't obey that commandment, you're going to be tempted to violate at least one of the other commandments, if not all of them. Build up a lot of snarls. Build up a lot of snarls, and, and it is one, you know, people believe they're exempt. Okay, it's okay if I covet. You know, who knows that I'm doing that or, or whatever. It's not okay. It mars your image and likeness. It's disobedience. The commandments must be obeyed. Um, and it goes into, you know, the one on thou shalt commit adultery, which is another commandment. A lot of people think, well, that, you know, that doesn't mean me <laughs> or something. I don't know. Anyway. Um, it, it's got to be obeyed. And that commandment has a lot of different meanings of how to adulterate. You can adulterate in a lot of other ways besides sexual sin, which is what most people think of it as. But in Ephesians 4, it's quite clear about that, that this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles in the vanity of your mind, having the understanding darkened being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have give, given themselves over to less viciousness, which is driven by lust, preoccupied or exhibiting lustful desires, to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned in Christ, if so be that ye heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus so you put off the old conversation and the old man 
and put on the new, be renewed in righteousness. Again, this clears your, your reflection, this disobedience, and you can't think you're exempt from all this. I don't know. You know, people think, oh, it's okay, or I've gotten by with it for so long. Well, eventually it does catch up. From sense to soul. And then the beautiful, and many commented on the Shekinah. I mean, many Parthens and Suzanne did in the in the lesson, but then Carrie and Louise sent me some beautiful articles on Shekinah. And the quote in the lesson, in order to enter into the kingdom, the anchor of hope must be cast beyond the veil of matter into the Shekinah, into which Jesus has passed before us. And that the Shekinah, the beautiful definitions of it, um, Parthens was quoting the Amplified Version. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it, a hope that reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. The Shekinah is the very presence and power of God, the great light, the light that led Moses and the children of Israel. It's, it's a word that has tremendous meaning. It's the presence, it's being in the presence of soul, the presence of God. It's why from sense to soul is so important. And um, Parthens wrote, the more firmly thoughts, desires, and hopes are anchored in the realm of the senses, the more uncertain, dreamlike, and insubstantial the world of soul appears. But then the inverse of the statement is also true, and I'm glad that Suzanne wrote that. Um, she's probably here, but I'm going to read it just because we're running out of time. Um, let's see, the, the inver inverse would be, the more firmly thoughts, desires, and hopes are anchored in the very certainty of the presence of God, the more questionable, real, and, and substantial the world of soul appears. The Shekinah term was used to express the visible majesty of the divine presence, the idea which the this the idea which different accounts in the scripture convey is the that of a most brilliant and glorious light enveloped in a cloud, the light of the living Christ. It's beautiful, and it's beautiful to think of the Shekinah and how important it is to dwell in it. Again, from sense to soul. So if you're not dwelling in the Shekinah and feeling God's presence and power, what sense things are you entertaining that's marring your image and likeness? And cleanse yourself from them. And this takes work. And it takes asking God to cause me to hear thy loving kindness in the morning. To teach me the way wherein I should walk. It takes God's instruction to help you to get from sense to soul. So, um, well, there were very many beautiful things. Let's see. Um. Hello. Yes. Yes. Um. Hi. Thank you always for being here and doing this great time. Uh, I've been so blessed by having a 
other spiritual meanings of adultery, uh, especially these two, adulterating the truth, which is done every day by even the people that are in leadership. And the other one is, of course, we honor um, if we have a compromise with some, no, I'm sorry, not compromise, a commitment uh, with someone, we honor that and, you know, just the, the, the sex side of it. Yes, we honor that. Uh, but the biggest meaning that I have heard about is, and being blessed by is having an affair with the world. Mm. That is <laughs> adultery. <laughs> adultery. You know, that's the, the common adultery, having an affair with the world and big blessing to know all this spiritual meaning. Thank you. That's beautiful, Ingrid. Thank you. And this, and this goes too with these articles on Shekinah is the veil. And the lesson talks about a veil being cast over. Yes, it's having an adultery, adulterous relationship with the world. Materiality has cast the veil. It's cast a veil over science and health, it would seem. Over Christian science, it would seem. Materiality, people can't understand it. It's a stumbling block. It's a stumbling block, and it must, that veil must be lifted. And the only way it can be list, lifted is by purity of thought and deed. Um, so, Gary is going to read words of wisdom from William McKinsey. Excerpt from an article entitled The Spiritual Movement. And I quote, Christian scientists, and he says Christian scientists, not people who call themselves Christian scientists, but real Christian scientists, are a potent force in the world because of the good example which they offer. If a group of people should be overcome by darkness while still wandering at a distance from their destination, and someone should appear with a light, and this light should illumine, even if faintly, the road upon which they all should walk, the one carrying the light would, in a true sense, be the leader of the multitude. But this leadership would be on an entirely different basis than that of a conqueror dragging his captives at his chariot wheels. It would be the leadership of light, the leadership which comes from knowing the right way, the leadership of brotherly kindness. What better guidance can be accepted by each worker in this movement than that which was given by Mrs. Eddy to the Christian Science Board of Lectureship? That's in Miscellany, page 248, where she says, quote, You go forth to face the foe, with loving look, and with the religion and philosophy of labor, duty, liberty, and love, to challenge universal indifference, chance, and creeds. Your highest inspiration is found nearest the divine principle and nearest the scientific expression of truth. You can condemn evil in the abstract without harming anyone or your own moral sense but condemn persons seldom, if ever. Improve every opportunity to correct sin through your own perfectness, end quote. I love that because this is how we're going to meet the challenges of today. 
Um, we can't drag people into the kingdom of God. We have to be there ourselves and carry that light and lead the way. Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.